Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and God of peace will always be with you. My name is Josh. If you're a guest here or online, welcome to our church family. This is just one of the ways that we get to celebrate the goodness of our God. And by the way, if you're joining us online, first off, thank you for joining us. We want you to be fully invested just as much as everyone here. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. You heard them? And, and something fell over. Yeah, so you just do the same thing. Knock stuff over. You be a part of our time. One of the ways you can be invested, though, is there will be prompts that come up in the chat. You click on those prompts. You let us know how we can pray for you by clicking the prayer button. But stick around. Be a part of it. And one of the ways everyone can be a part of today's gathering. Mitch already mentioned it this morning, but there is the Connect card on the Sunday page. Go to clearcreekcoc.org slash Sunday. At the bottom of that page is a little place to fill out a card. Everyone who does so, we will give a donation to one of our local ministry partners. And this month, it's Bethel Bible Village. Great way to bless people simply by letting us know you're here. And later in the message, I'm going to give you a resource. And all you have to do to receive it is on the Connect card, there's a I Want to Receive section. And there's one that says Free from Anxiety. You click on that, and I'm going to give you a resource that you'll receive via email uh, over a three-day period here this week. I won't tell you what it is until we get into the message more, but it would be a great help, I believe, to you. We're in a series called Anxious for Nothing. What a beautiful idea that would be, to wake up in the morning and say, you know, God's good, life's not perfect, but God's in control. To be anxious for absolutely nothing. If you were to tally up every aspect of life, you came up with the equation of this plus this plus this equals no anxiety. Anyone here want that kind of a life? Man, I do. And Paul, in this beautiful section of scripture written from a jail cell to a church he loves in Philippi, he gives for us some keys some ways to attack anxiety. So in week one, we looked at people are one of the best gifts from God, but they can also be a big anxiety booster. Don't say amen. Don't nudge the person next to you. But sometimes some folks uh, raise the temperature. But Paul says people can also be the means through which God lowers the temperature of anxiety in your heart. Then last week, we looked at one of the keys to attacking anxiety, and that is prayer. And this week, we're looking at the next tool in the tool belt that God gives you and gives to me to attack anxiety. But before we get into it, I want to just remind you of a riddle I heard for the first time when I was 11 years old. I remember it vividly because I was watching a cartoon and they had this riddle as part of it. I thought it was great, so I remembered it. So let's see if you guys can guess the riddle. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to lean to someone and tell the answer if you know it, but here it is. The riddle is, I have billions of eyes, yet I live in darkness. I have millions of ears, yet only four lobes. I have no muscle, yet I rule two hemispheres. What am I? Lean next to someone or or text a friend. Give your guess. I'm going to give you five seconds. Do it fast, real quick here. What's the answer to this question? Five, four, three, two, one. You got a guess? The brain, that's right. Someone here is brilliant or you already listened to the message. 
Yes, the human brain. It has billions of optic and millions of auditory nerves. You have four lobes, two hemispheres, lives in darkness, and yet it controls all of this. You have a superpower residing between your ears. It is the gray matter we call your brain. This brain that controls your universe in so many ways is a good gift from God that the world wants to hijack. And it's time to get it back. Amen? And so this morning, we're going to talk about it because Paul understands that although people are valuable and prayer is essential, he is going to plead with you and to me to take control of the wayward thoughts that roam our minds. And as we do so, we are able to employ the brilliance of our brains for the purposes of a good God and attack anxiety. Let me just tell you a little bit about this wonderful gift from God. Your brain right now, by the way, right now, you think you're watching me and listening to me, or perhaps online you're watching a screen. Do you understand right now that is simply data coming in through your ears, your eyes, interpreted by your brain? At this very moment, your brain is making 100 billion, billion computations right now, every second. 100 billion, billion. In fact, your brain is so busy at work, it's controlling your breath, it's controlling your eyes, it's controlling your heart, it's controlling every bit of your body. It is an in, just an impressive piece of machinery. In fact, this little three-pound universe processes, get this now, 70,000 decisions today your brain will make. Your brain uses 100 billion neurons that connect to 500 trillion with a T points through synapses that travel 300 miles an hour through your brain. In fact, although each little neuron produces a teeny bit of electricity, how many of you remember in the matrix that you are a battery? Your brain produces enough electricity that right now it could run a low watt light bulb. It sends so much information that it's more information, sends more messages than all of the telephones in the whole world. In fact, the information residing in your brain right now is more information than in the entire internet right now. God has given you an impressive machine and gift. Amen? But again, it gets hijacked, so what do we do? We want to hijack it back because here is the reality. The signals that are being sent through your brain, through these interconnected neurons, form the basis of, get this now, your memories, your thoughts, and your feelings. And those thoughts have the ability to color, to shade, to control your present, and, get this, dictate your future. How many of us know that we are the people we are today because of the thoughts we had yesterday? You are controlled, and you control your future by your thoughts. In fact, here's a beautiful truth if you want to just write this down. Number one, you have the ability to think. Can I get an amen? Right now, some of you are thinking all sorts of things. In fact, let me ask you, what are you thinking about? Some of you, man, you are fully engaged. You're kind of leaning in going, I love this brain stuff. I love the factoids. Give me more, Josh. I have no idea where we're going, but I like it. Others of you, you're just kind of going, oh no, it's like science class from me. 
And you're going, no thanks. And for others of you, you're, you're here, but your main thought is the kid sitting next to you. And you're just going, oh, dear Lord, please let them sit still. I don't want to have to leave again. I don't want to have to do the walk of shame with my kids. Like, <laughs> and you go out. By the way, if your kids make noise, we're so glad they're here. We, we love having your children with us. Yeah, when we kick off, we worship again. When we have time for them, yeah, you get them in there. You have a little bit more mom and daddy time. That's fine. But we are so glad your kids are here. So don't you stress about that. But some of you are. And then there are others of you here. You are physically present, but your brains, your minds, your thoughts are a million different places. Some of you thinking about your job, aren't you? Are you thinking about the health of a friend? Or you're worried about what's going on in our nation or in our city, and you just got thoughts going everywhere. You're here, but you're not really here. Now, I just want to say this. There's nothing wrong with any of those thoughts that you're having, but we need to recognize them this morning. In fact, this leads us to the second truth. Not only do you have the ability to think, but get this, you have the ability to think about what you think about. God has given you the ability to evaluate what is going through your mind. I love what the great reformer Martin Luther said. And I'm going to paraphrase, but he basically says this. He says, look, you cannot control birds flying over your head, but you can control or keep them from making nests in your hair. Some of us have thoughts that we don't want, but you can't control what flies over. You can control what sticks in your mind. And so Paul is going to say, I want to give you the ability. I want you to evaluate the thoughts you think about. You say, how do we do that? Well, let's look again at this beautiful passage starting in verse 8 of Philippians 4. Paul says, notice this, first word, finally. After everything we've been through, the four chapters, these four miniseries since March, finally we're getting to the point. Thank you, Paul. Finally, what is he going to say? Well, he's going to speak to boys and girls, men and women. Everything he says is for everyone who hears it. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, if you want to win the war on anxiety, whatever is, notice these words, true. Hey, turn off the TV, folks. Whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. Notice the words he's choosing. He's saying, whatever is these things. He continues. He says, whatever is lovely. By the way, fellas, good moment here. If you want to think about something lovely and want to get some brownie points, lean over to your bride and go, I'm thinking about you, baby. Okay? Whatever's lovely. Whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praise." Worthy. Now say these next words with me. Think about think about these things. You say, well, well, so does this mean the Bible? Sure, the Bible is lovely, it's pure, it's admirable, it's praiseworthy. But listen, all truth is God's truth. So if you find truth out in the world, you celebrate that. You think on that. You rejoice in that. God is saying through Paul, you want to realign your thoughts to the purposes of God. You need to realign what you let into your mind. Think about what is pure, lovely, praiseworthy. You got to think about what's true, what is admirable. These need to be your thoughts. Think about such things. But he doesn't just say think about them. Notice the next thing he says. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, you've got to do what? Put it into practice. How many of us grew up hearing the phrase, practice makes perfect? How many of us know we're pretty good at doing some bad things? Practice does not make perfect. 
perfect practice or practicing the right things the right way, that makes perfect. Paul is saying, think and practice those thoughts. It takes time to rewire the brains God has given us because, hey, this world, although it's a good gift from God, it's been twisted, and the thoughts we receive are not always the thoughts we need to embrace. And so he says, you need to think and practice. And notice the promise. He says these words, and the God of peace. will be with you. The God of peace. And I need that God of peace in my life. I love him and I know he loves me, but there are days, <laughs> there are days that I say, Lord, I love you, I love you, but I show him the door because I invite in other things. In fact, let's just do a little comparison here. The fact is, there's a promise that you can have the God of peace based on what you choose to let reside in your mind. But many of us, if we're honest, we don't read Philippians 4 8 and 9 as our passage. We rather read the opposite of Philippians 4, 8 and 9, right? This is some of us what we actually think about. Whatever is a lie, whatever is immoral, whatever is wrong, whatever is obscene, those jokes we tell, those things we let in, whatever is ugly, whatever is shameful, Whatever, or if anything is just ignorant or plain bad, think about such things and notice the opposite. And the God of anxiety will be with you. In other words, whatever you invite into your mind, you invite into your life. If you want something different in your life, invite something different into your mind. Paul is making a very clear, very simple statement, but complex in how we do it daily. In a few minutes, I'm going to give you some resources on how to take the next step. But the bottom line is this. You and I have been given the ability to think, and not only just to think, but to think about what we think, because this is so important. You, put this up, you are what you think. If you were to summarize your life, look back over the thoughts you've thought about who God is, who you are, your value, your purpose, who other people are, their value, their purpose, you add up the thoughts you have about all these things and you will have the equation of who you are today. The thoughts you have determine the life you live. And if you invite thoughts in that represent the God of peace, then guess who will live within you? But if you invite in thoughts that are from the God of anxiety, don't be surprised if he comes in. See, see, there's a lot of stuff going on here that a lot of us just don't process very much. Now, let me, let me give you a little bit more here. This idea, you are what you think, this is called the law of cognition. Everybody say, the law, the law of cognition. That's right, the law of cognition. And the idea is simply what you put in is what comes out. We know this. We learned this when we were very little. How many of you um, had ever saw, it's an old commercial, but saw that old commercial where people would eat certain items of food and then those items of food would be attached to their bodies in very unflattering places and ways. Let me give you an example. There's a man. He eats a donut. Then as he walks out of frame, he has a donut around his stomach. You are what you eat. And you are what you think. This has been true, and we've known this for years from Scripture, but psychology is just now starting to catch up. In fact, I love what psychologist Archibald Hart says about this. Notice this. He says, research has shown that one's thought life influences 
every aspect of one's being. Your thoughts equal your life. And I, yeah, okay, great. But then he gets way too, too personal in my mind. He says this, kind people are simply the type of people who habitually tend to think about kind thoughts. Angry people are simply the kind of people who habitually tend to think thoughts that breed resentment and hostility. What's he saying? Think kind thoughts, be a kind person. Think mean, mad thoughts, be a mean, mad person. And we all know this. But let's do it this way. Okay, I want you to lean over to someone. We're going to do a little quiz. Are you ready? How many of you, before I ask the question, how many of you would consider yourself Disney people? You know some Disney cartoons. You, you like any? Okay, great. Then this is up your alley. Everyone else, though, I want you to jump in here. Here's the job. Are you ready? Very quickly, 20 seconds, not very long. I'm going to ask you to turn to someone and see if between the two of you, you can come up with all seven of Snow White's vertically challenged friends' names. Give me the seven dwarfs' names. Go ahead. You have 10 seconds. Real fast. Tell someone. Some of you going, I'm not even going to try. Yeah. All right. You getting it? You getting it? All right. Three seconds. Two seconds. One second. You got it? You feel like you got it? How many of you think you got one? Go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you think you got three? Raise your hand. Five? How about the super seven? Anyone get all seven? Wow. Okay, we're not going to make anyone feel bad here. Let me just help you out here. Are you ready? Uh, so, so you've got the seven dwarfs, so let me just give you some of their names. Uh, there was uh, Sneezy, Sleazy, Dopey, Mopey, Chubby, right? No? <laughs> Now, here's the thing. You may have forgotten a lot of their names like I do, but here's one I bet you didn't forget. How many of you remembered Grumpy? And I guarantee if you didn't remember it, the person sitting next to you got grumpy. Now, here's the question. Why is Grumpy Grumpy? Well, according to Dr. Hari, it's because Grumpy thinks grumpy thoughts. As the saying goes, Grumpy see, Grumpy do. Or Monkey see, which one? Okay. What you think is who you are. Let me ask you another question. Don't turn to anyone. Don't ask them this question, but you just think about this. Is this you? Are you a grumpy person? Or maybe here's another question. If we were to ask the people who know you best, what one word would they use to describe you? For some of us here, you'd say, man, I'm just relaxed. I'm cool. Life is good. Others, it's I'm content. But, but if we're honest, and maybe it comes and goes, but some of us would say, no, I'm just, I'm feeling anxious. The word that describes me is frustrated. Man, I'm full of fear. I'm just bitter about what's happened. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I'm angry. I'm perplexed. I don't know what to do. In other words, your thoughts lead to your life. This is so important. Do not pass this up, church. The Bible is very clear that your thought life determines everything about your life. This is what Jesus says. If you want to know about your character, pay attention to your thoughts. Paul says, be changed by the renewing of your mind. The writer of Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, if I open the door to God or the things of God, then God will walk through the door of my life. This is what he says. I stand at the door and what? I knock. 
Anyone who opens his heart, his life, his full person to me, I will come in and I will live with. That is a promise from God. You invite God in, God shows up, and the good things of God come with him, his peace. But folks, you listen to and let the anxious thoughts of the world, you let the thoughts that corrupt come in and do their thing, and that's what will come out of your life. Now, I want to be very helpful, very practical, so here's what I did. I asked one of my good friends, Kristen Moore, to talk to us a little bit about the brain science and then a couple practical things about our thought life. Had an interview with her earlier this week. Now, I can't show you all of it. There's a lot more, but if you click on the Connect card, the Free From Anxiety tab, we'll send you parts two, three, and four, and you will get some great next steps. But today, she's going to give us some of the deeper stuff, and I want just to give you a clip from it and then share with you three points from her talk, and we'll call it a morning, okay? So go ahead, turn your attention to the screen with my friend Kristen Moore. By the way, she's a licensed marriage and, counsel- uh, 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 marriage and therapy uh, counselor. She does great work here in Chattanooga, taking God's word and God's truth and putting in with what people are dealing with. So turn your attention to the screen. Well, Kristen Moore, so good to see you today. Thank you for being a part of our time. I cannot wait for our church and our friends online to hear what you have to say and Uh, So today we've just learned that our thought life really plays a key role in either increasing or attacking anxiety. And all of this, of course, is bore out in Scripture, Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Paul gives that litany of good things to think about. He says, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. He says, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, you know, positive things practiced equals peace. And so I was hoping, though, that you could help us from the smart person perspective. You sort of walk us through the science of what happens in our brains when we have positive or negative thoughts. Sure. Um, So the more that we engage in repeated actions or behaviors or thoughts, the more solidified connections between neurons in our brain become. So this goes for both positive and negative thoughts, actions, or behaviors. So it's kind of like the well-worn path in the woods. Um, Whatever path is the path of least resistance, that path becomes more solidified. Um, So when we think about positive thoughts, when we are intentionally putting in positive thoughts, dwelling on positive thoughts, that can produce serotonin, which boosts our sense of happiness and tranquility, uh, which everybody loves. And when we think about negative thoughts, um, things like stress um, or things that our negative judgments about ourselves or beliefs, um, cortisol is actually is released, which lowers our serotonin levels. Um, And cortisol plays a big role in the fight or flight response. And so I like to talk about the hand model of the brain. This is from Dan Siegel. So we just take our hand and we put our thumb here. Um, This represents the brainstem and the limbic system. So like the amygdala here. And then this is the frontal cortex. So when we have uh, maybe an anxious thought, a negative thought, something um, stress-related, sometimes what happens is this is how our body's designed. It's amazing. Um, our, our brain is signaling, hey, you're in danger. We need to do something about it. So the brainstem, limbic area, the amygdala triggers the frontal cortex to go offline, essentially, because we do not need the thinking part of our brain right now. Um, We need the emotional and the survival part of our brain. So the rational thinking goes offline. We call this flipping our lid. And we are here in survival. There's a bear chasing us. We're going to run, right? We don't need to think about um, what precise moves we need to do whatever. We're just going to go. So 
when we experience anxiety, what that is, is it's, um, it is a perceived threat of sorts that our body is interpreting as real imminent danger. And so when our lid is flipped, it's hard to think rationally. And what we need to do is bring that um, frontal cortex back online. And so we can do that by, um, by breathing, by, um, by thinking those like positive thoughts. Again, it's hard when you're not thinking rationally, but being able to think those calming thoughts and slowly bring this back down. I'm safe. I'm not in danger. Thank you, body, for protecting me. Um, but I can think through this rationally, right? Um, and so in order to make a change, we have to think about what these negative thoughts are that are triggering this alarm system. So with anxiety, I like the example of anxiety is feeling like there is a chance of severe storms when there's only a chance of light rain. Hmm. So if our thoughts are saying severe storms, severe storms, I'm in danger, um, which is what a lot of these negative feelings trigger us to, to, to feel and to think, um, being able to say like, I'm safe. It's okay. Like this is, this is survivable. Like I'm going to be okay. Like those things. Um, and so when we think about thoughts, we have to capture the thought. We have to challenge the thought and then work on changing the thought. And so that, that process is not easy, but when we're able to work with our thoughts, we can actually change the emotions that are coming out of our thinking or that are being fueled by our thinking. I love that. And I like the idea of what you said there, that sort of this anxiety, this overthinking it is, I forget how you said it, but basically thinking it's going to storm when it's just like a trickle or something. I think that's so good. So let me ask you a follow-up question. When someone is, um, you know, maybe a real-world example, I think about some of our people who maybe. Uh, something related to the church, going to a group or something, it just freaks them out. Can you kind of talk to us a little bit about the effect of the well-worn path of thinking and how how that affects the decision that we make and what we can do about that? Sure. Yeah. And so um, I think that's a pretty common example is, is maybe we're about to enter into some sort of social situation. We're about to go to a small group for the first time um, and we catch ourselves feeling anxious. And so Maybe we're able to recognize the thoughts that are fueling that are, um, what are these people going to think about me? Or am I going to be judged? Am I safe in this space? Um, Whatever it is, we can kind of recognize that. A lot of times what happens in those scenarios specifically is we feel anxious and we get really worked up by dwelling on those thoughts. Um, And so what what feels safest is to avoid it. To just not go. Well, I'll just remove myself from that situation. And then the moment that feels better um, because we don't have to actually deal with the things that are triggers for us or that feel um, fearful of sorts. But what happens is that actually maintains our level of anxiety. So the next time you want to go to a small group or try one out, the same thing's going to happen again. And maybe you may even be more anxious because last time you avoided it and that felt better in the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we can actually do what we consider exposure where you would choose to go. So this is kind of choosing against the well-worn path to a new path. Um, and by choosing to go, you're exposing yourself to the stimulus and realizing, hey, it's not that scary after all. Um, this is a safe place. These people care about me. They want to get to know me. They love me with the love of the Lord. Um, and that is going to change the way you think about that situation and maybe even new situations altogether. Um, and that will actually go a long way in decreasing your anxiety by facing the stimulus rather than avoiding it and then maintaining those healthy thoughts. Um, Yes, I'm nervous and going, but these people 
love Jesus, and I'm sure that they are going to welcome me. That's a more adaptive thought. That is so helpful. Well, Kristen, thank you for your wisdom and your time. We'll look forward to continuing the conversation at a later point. Thanks again. Have a good rest of the day. You're welcome. Thank you. If you want to hear the rest of that conversation, again, just click free from anxiety and we'll send you the rest of it. She gets into some very practical steps on how to do what she's talked about. But real quick, I want to give you three things from what she said. You may have missed them, so put these down in your notes. Number one, repeated thoughts lead to repeated beliefs and actions. What you think about the most is who you will become. She uses the illustration of the well-worn path, correct? Any path that is used the most, most, it becomes the most obvious place to walk. Same with your thought life. If you think something long enough, that's who you will become. So Paul says, whatever is, replace what you have thought with what ought to be, whatever is, and that is who you will become. The second thing, notice this, she says, capture challenge and change negative thoughts. It's one thing to recognize the thoughts. The next thing though, and this is what Paul has already been saying, you need to challenge them. To challenge the thought is to not assume that what you think is actually true. It is to take what has been given and rethink through it, evaluate it in light of truth. Now here's the way we do this, folks. It's not enough to simply say, well, is that true? You have to begin to evaluate it on something that you know to be true. For instance... The scripture says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That before time began, God saw you. And he decided with all of your personality, all of your quirks, all of your interests, he would wire you in the way that you are today. Now, yeah, the world breaks and bends and morphs things, but you are valuable So when you start hearing because your boss just lets you have it or because this situation did not go the way you expected or because this group did not welcome you in, you begin to ask the question, am I really valuable? What is is wrong with me? In that moment, you capture it and then you challenge it in light of the scripture that says you are valuable, you are made in the image of God. Can I get an amen? You are who God has made you to be. Now, there are ways that we grow into it better. But you are valuable. It is not enough to acknowledge the wrong thoughts. We then say, I'm challenging this. I'm taking this before God Almighty, and I'm basically saying to him, here are my thoughts. What, what do you say? What, what, what do you say? And then whatever he says, you say, okay, I'm going to believe that. Let me give you one where I do almost every week. You understand, every Sunday I get up here and I attempt to communicate a timeless truth in a timely way. And most of the time, it's a B-grade effort at best. That's how I feel. Now, some of you are going, eh, you're being kind of generous. Others of you go, no, it's great. Here's what happens though. Let me just tell you, for me, every Sunday, before, during, and after, I am telling myself the truth of God's word that I'm made in the image of God. I've been put on this planet for a purpose and that my value is what he says, not how I perform. Okay? Now, I'm just telling you, that's what I deal with week in and week out. I don't know what your thing is, but God's word says that when you are attacked with anxiety or an idea that is not from him, you challenge it and don't you dare hold on to the lie of the devil. You grab on to the good truth of your God and Father. Amen? And it's not enough just to hold it on for yourself. There's someone who needs to hear it from you as well. In fact, that's the third thing. Notice this, what she said. What you say to yourself is what you believe about yourself. 
Some of you today are carrying the weight and the wounds of lies you've held on to for years. And maybe it's something you said about yourself and you just sort of believed, or maybe it's because of something someone with influence said about you. I want you to understand one of the values of being a part of the body of Christ is we do not walk alone and we do not carry the weight of worry alone. Do you remember Jesus' words? Rejoice with those who do what? Rejoice. And with those who worry or who are sad, who are upset, you join them in that. In other words, you care and carry and join with one another, holding one another's burdens. That is not enough to tell yourself what is true. There is someone in your life this week, today, who needs to hear the truth that God loves them, God made them, God's not done with them yet. They say, oh, but you don't know what I've done. And you have the privilege from God to replace and challenge the wrong thinking and say, that may be what you did, but God's not done yet. The cross of Christ tells us that. This is what God is giving to us. See, listen, we are the product of our thoughts. So if you want a different life, you embrace the truth of God's word in your life. You allow that to become what you think about. Think of it this way and we're going to be done. Take out your brain and you now soak it. You marinate it in the truth of God's word. How many of you love a good crock pot full of soup? Or something that gets to sit. Any one of you, or let's do it this way, any of my fellows out here who love a nice smoked meat that has been smoked for not a few hours, but a day or something. Anyone out there just, mmm. I want you to take that same idea. You take your brain and you begin to let it marinate in the truth of God's word. You just let it soak. And over time, what happens is the flavor of God's truth begins to permeate your thoughts and it will permeate through the rest of your life. This is the truth of God's word. And this is the promise. As you do it, the God of peace will be with you.